0: Welcome to a slob comes clean the podcast. I'm Dana White. I blog mostly daily over at AslobcomesClean.com as Noni, which is short for anonymous because being a slob is my deep dark secret, even though it's not much of a secret anymore. But uh, this is podcast number 11. I'm excited to be putting this out there. I'm a day late. I've had a really crazy week this week, but it's also been very exciting. So I'll share with you a little bit about that. Um, this week I'm going to talk about sentimental clutter. I mentioned last week that I was going to talk about that if I had time and then I ran out of time. So, uh, it's just sentimental clutter is something that can be paralyzing for people like me. I have come a long way over the last four years of what I call my deslobification process. um, I have decluttered so much stuff from my home that my view of clutter has changed. So now sentimental clutter is not the same issue that it was for me in the beginning. Um, but I'm just going to share with you some of the things I've had to, um, just some some tactics I've had to use to help me be willing to get rid of things that I never thought I would get rid of. So I'll be talking about sentimental clutter. I'm also going to share about my week. Don't forget that um, you can get the show notes, which means links to any thing that I mentioned within this podcast at a slash podcasts with an s. Uh just click on podcast number 11 to find the notes for this. I'd also love for you to leave comments over there on podcast number 11. Uh if there's anything that you have questions about or if I ha- happen to forget to put a link in there, uh, just let me know there or just your thoughts on um your own struggle with sentimental clutter. I'd love to hear that. Um slobcomesclean.com slash connect is where you can find me on all of my social media channels. That means Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, all those places all over the internet, uh, basically, uh, you can find me there. So make sure that you go over there and connect with me on those channels. We, we hit, I think last week I said we hit 14,000 Facebook fans or we were about to, And this week we have hit 15,000. So I don't know what Facebook is doing. I think they're suggesting my page or something. I have not paid for that to happen, but somehow that's happening. My husband's um, former boss at church on Sunday said to me, Hey, Dana, your page is showing up as suggested on Facebook. And I went, okay, great. Because I've been seeing a lot of local people suddenly liking my page. So, oh my goodness, that makes my heart just kind of drop since I am very honest on my blog. And I show before pictures of the rooms that people don't get to see when they come to my house, like the master bedroom or the boy's room or whatever. I don't let people see those things, but then I show pictures of it on my blog. So knowing that people in my real life are, um, you know, know about my deep, dark secret now and might possibly even hop over to the blog and see my before pictures does make my heart beat a little faster, but it's been a big process for me, this process of openness that I never, ever, ever thought I would do. But anyway, okay. So we're on podcast number 11. We're going to talk about sentimental clutter. I'm also going to share with you um, some of my week. I have had one crazy but fun week. Um, okay. So first I'll talk about, I think my post on Monday was about freezer cooking. Um, I love freezer cooking. Now there are people... Who do freezer cooking differently than me, uh, with lots and lots of planning and huge shopping trips and all that kind of stuff? Um, that's not how I do it. Generally, I am a project person, and that's what in the post I talked about how freezer cooking tickles my organizing bone. So I do have an organizing bone; it's just not you know apparent always in my home. But I am actually organized in certain ways, meaning. I like the big project and I like it to have lasting effect. So freezer cooking in a lot of ways tickles that and me, because what I do is if I'm going to make something that's time consuming or, um, requires a lot of effort, I like to double it or triple it or quadruple it. Like for example, I think it was last week I made a roast that, um, I had made, uh, I had, found it on sale and I grabbed one and I thought, oh, well, I'll grab two. And I started to leave with my cart, you know, put my, push my cart away. And then I just turned right around and went back and got a third one. Cause I thought I'm going to do as much as I can fit in my oven. And now I know I probably could have fit more in my oven. So I should have grabbed one more, but if I'm going to do that anyway, then I might as well do it big. And um, so my method of making a roast, which I will tell you I used to stink at making roasts. Like, I don't know what it was. Everybody else says, Oh, I just put it in the crock pot. It's so wonderful. And I eat their roasts that other people make. And I think, Oh, these are so great. But every time I've ever tried to do a roast in the pot in the crock pot, it's been horrendous. Like, like shoe leather or whatever. I don't even know what shoe leather is, but it was really, really difficult to chew. And I was not good at it. Well, my mother-in-law makes brisket I always thought of brisket as being some kind of a barbecue thing, but she doesn't do it that way. She makes a brisket. She doesn't anymore. She's not able to, but, um, she would cook it all day long one day. And then the next day, uh, she would, you know, she would take it out at the end of the day, like eight hours at two twenty five. she would cook it there. She put all the spices in her cabinet, which really isn't true. I mean, surely she doesn't put cinnamon on it, but basically anything that sounds like it would, you know, taste good in a roast, she just you know, spreads it all over the roast, sprinkles it on there. Um, and then she puts water up just to the top of the roast in there and she cooks it all day for eight hours, but she doesn't eat it that night. And to me, that is a big mind changer for me. Like I was thinking, okay, you cook it all day and then you eat it, which I know is possible because that's how my mom made roasts and she made good ones, but I don't know why I can't seem to do it. So, uh, what my mother-in-law does, she cooks it one day, she puts it in the fridge. And then the next day, all the fat that's on it or all the fat that has come out in the juice is all solidified. So it's like up at the top and you just you know pick it off. and it comes in these little white sheets of fat. And so you're removing all of that fat um, while it's cold and then you um, then I just slice up the roast and it always tastes great because it was cooked low and slow. and uh, then I use the juice for to make gravy. And um, yeah, I have like three full meals that will have leftovers on their own to make um, probably to make, you know, stew the next day. I have three full meals in my freezer of roast and uh, you know, roast to me is one of those home cooked comfort meals that you just love. And uh, I just, uh, it's fun to me to have that ready to go, but it's already done. So freezer cooking totally tickles my organizing bone because it's something that I can do big and then it actually has a lasting effect. And like doing the dishes or vacuuming, you know, those things don't last. And that's one of the reasons why I resist them so much. Cause I think, well, what is the point? what's it going to do? But no, I know now that those things are important and that I have to do it. But my natural instinct is to go with the stuff that has a big shebang to it. Um, and freezer cooking does that in so many ways. So that was one of my posts. Um, then I talked about cleaning for Paula because I have something exciting that happened this week that I'm not actually telling people what it was yet, but a week ago, Thursday, I found out that Paula was coming to visit. I'm not telling yet who Paula is, but I found out that she was coming to visit, and this was a really big deal. This was like a I better have my house clean from top to bottom for Paula. And so I decided to go through my own messy house checklist. I talked about that. I believe it was in podcast number eight and nine how to clean a messy house. And I have a post on my website that uh, gives you a checklist that you can print out, that has all the different steps of cleaning the messy house. And so that's what I did. That's what I'm uh, talking about. And I'll have more posts coming up through next week. I'll reveal next week who Paula is. Um, but uh, that that's what I did last Friday was I printed those out and I went through the steps. So the first step on the checklist is to take a deep breath, which I know, you know, normal people might not understand, but, um, take a deep breath, get out your calendar and be realistic about how much time you have. Uh, if I just randomly start cleaning, I may spend 75% of my time on one thing and then panic and be miserable for that last 25% of the time as I'm running around like a crazy person trying to get things done, knowing that I'll never get it all done. Um, so it, it, the first step is being realistic about how much time you have. For me, I found out on Thursday that she was coming. Uh, so I had Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and she was actually supposed to be here on Monday, but then they switched it to Tuesday. So, um, At first, I thought I had three days, which included Sunday, which we are very involved in our church, and I was there Sunday morning, and I direct rehearsals at 4 o'clock. So I was basically going to have two or three hours on Sunday at the most to do anything. Um, So that was me being realistic about how much time I had. Then I have another post where I talked about uh, step two of how to clean a messy house, And step two is make a list of rooms by priority, according to where guests will spend the most time. Also look for tasks in each room, not covered by normal cleaning. This was my lifesaver. Honestly, I mean, I know I wrote the list and so obviously I thought it was good. And I based it all on what I've done in the past when I have to get my whole messy house clean. Um, but uh really that's a brilliant thing to do because um what it forces me to do i it makes me say okay where is paula going to be the most in my house okay like what room is she going to spend the most time in and that was going to be the kitchen so i said okay paula is going to be in my kitchen i'm going to start in my kitchen and so i wrote kitchen on the list. And I said, where is she also going to be? She'll probably be in my dining room. Okay. I put that on there. The living room is the center of the house. I got to get that done. That was number three. And let's see my entryway. I put entryway on four, even though Paula wasn't going to spend a whole lot of time in my entryway. I had to focus on my entryway because um, the weekend before I had just randomly had this moment of, I am so tired of my entryway. Uh, having the 80s wallpaper on it. And so I am going to prime and paint my entryway today. So I had started it the weekend before I knew that Paula was going to be coming. So it was half primed. Like it wasn't even finished because a whole gallon of paint didn't do the whole thing. So I had half primed it. Well, now all of a sudden I had to get that done. So that became a big priority for me. And then I just went through the list. You know, I've got to have the bathroom clean that they're going to go to so that, you know, that's not embarrassing. So it's, it's moving through and prioritizing which rooms of the house actually people are going to spend time in. And this did, and then the other thing that you do on that is, um, there's a space for the rooms, one, two, three, four, five. And then there's also spaces underneath each room for me to say, what is it in this room that I don't notice on a normal day? When I say I clean my kitchen, I do, you know, the basics and everything but I don't always dust my ceiling fan. But if it's cold on the day that Paula shows up and I can't have my ceiling fan running, I would die if she saw how dusty it was. And it was hideous. And there's a picture on the blog of how bad it was. And I actually had people say, oh, it's so good to see somebody else's ceiling fan look like that. So that's the service that I offer. But anyway, um, so we've got, uh, the ceiling fan in the room on my list and other things that I had just ignored. You know, I had this space between, the bottom of my new vent above my stove which it's new but it's been there for a year but the bottom of the vent and the top of the tile because the new vent was 2 inches shorter i guess than the old vent was so there was a space there that just showed the back of the wall like the the varnish i guess from when they had you know first varnished the cabinets when they built the house i don't know but there was this space of just raw nothingness back there and it looked horrible but I hadn't done anything about it. And I'd honestly, this is bad, but I'd honestly thought to myself, you know what? Someday when we sell this house, I'm going to have to deal with that. Well, Paula coming helped me deal with it now. So I put that on my list. Things that I did not notice this specifically I had on there, dust the ceiling fan, um, clean out the fridge because Paula was going to look in my fridge, clean out the pantry. Um, uh, clean the blinds. There was a big splatter mark on the blinds that I knew had been there. I had tried to kind of swipe at it and it had done nothing. So I needed to, knew I needed to work on that. Um, you know, fix the area above the, around the stove sides, uh, put the batteries in the clock, clean out the microwave, um, do the outside of the fridge. You know I mean? All these things, little details that my normal day I might not notice, but I put them on there and I got them, uh, I paid attention. So they were written down And what that did was it helped me go back to that list over and over when I would start to feel paralyzed, like, Oh my word, Paula's coming. I don't know what I'm going to do. I would go back to my list and I had something to just check. Oh, do that. Yes. Okay. So I would do that and I would check it off. And all those, each of those little bitty things were all things I could probably write a post, uh, you know, in my whole two second tasks that I do, I could probably write a two second task post about almost everything on these lists, but it was all the stuff that I put off and it helped me go through it because I had a big thing coming and it was my motivation to get that done. So, uh, going through the list, the other thing that helps me do is to know which rooms really matter because I'm distractible as people like me tend to be. And, uh, I will, you know, I can't tell you how many times I would say I need to clean my house and I'd go start with the linen closet, the linen closet that nobody's going to see when they come to my house. And so having it written down and having it prioritized of just a constant reminder, okay, what do I do now? Well, should I go work? No, no, no. I've got to get that kitchen done before I do anything else because that's where she's going to spend the most time. So that is what my posts were this week. I actually did not post for two days because things were so crazy, but, um, I've got, uh, that me working through those uh that how to clean a messy house checklist. Uh, that's what I've got last week and I will continue that through this week, just showing the process of actually using that checklist and what it looks like and what it feels like to do that. Um, okay, before I move on into sentimental clutter, I do want to make sure that I mention our sponsor, which is cluttercleaner.com. Uh, I used my clutter cleaner products this week as I was cleaning my kitchen. Uh, one of the things they talk about is using it to clean the microwave. And I just sprayed it right in there, used their fantastic sponges and just wiped my microwave clean. And it seriously was easy and it was great. Now I did want to make sure I said, um, Matt Paxton, who is, uh, was, I believe hoarders doesn't exist anymore as a show, but he was one of the professional organizers on hoarders. And Uh, he had this product created because he realized that the messier, dirtier the houses got that he was dealing with on hoarders. And if you've seen hoarders, you know what I'm talking about. This is pretty bad. Um, but these houses, the worse they were, the more toxic the cleaners had to be to actually, um, get them clean. So, um, he had this product created or he created it. So he worked with this company to do that. Um, I did want to answer. I've had several people ask, does it kill germs? I'm going to give you my little spiel first. Um, I have a child with an immune disorder and um, I am a germaphobe, which I know doesn't make sense with the whole slob thing. But I think, you know, there's actually more of us who are both slobs and germaphobes than I ever realized. But, um, you know, I always kind of felt like, well, if I'm going to clean it, I want to like kill it. Uh, I try not to feel guilty um, because my doc, my child's doctor assured me that it wasn't my fault, but she also did say that in her personal opinion, this is not necessarily something she backed up with scientific research, but in her personal opinion, um, you know, immune disorders are on the rise probably because of our obsession with killing every last germ. And so I have tried to change my perspective into get it clean And then there's no place for the germs to be there. Okay. And, you know, not to actually like kill everything, but that, like I said, is my personal opinion. I'm not giving that as any kind of scientific thing, but this is what Matt said when I asked him, uh, about, um, does it kill germs? Okay. This is what Matt said. A lot of people do ask if it kills germs. The technical answer is it breaks down the oils and grease that contain germs, bacteria, and odors. That's why we really encourage the user to spray the product on, let it sit for two to three minutes, which it actually says on the bottle, I think 30 seconds to a minute, but this lets you know you could do more if you're really concerned about the germs. That was me talking. And then scrub it off. Letting it sit gives the biosurfactants time to break down the oils and grease that are common on most household items. It is not antibacterial because we couldn't get the USDA bio-based product certification if it was... um, if it was antibacterial, some chemicals that would be in it that I'm not even sure what they are. Truth be told, I'm not a chemist. He's not, I'm not. Okay. I know, right? Shocking. That's what he says. The group that created for, uh, this for us is 100% dedicated to green products, and they have worked for years to create that natural mix of organic ingredients and biosurfactants that actually cleans as well as chemical-based products. I think what sold it best for me was this is the same cleaner that was used to break down oil off of marine wildlife after the BP oil spill in the Gulf years back. So that tells you, you know, it was used to break down oil. So it has, you know, from an oil spill. So it really has to be able to do that, but safe enough for the marine wildlife. So uh, that was what Matt said in answer to that. I personally just really like this product. It is not too highly scented. Um, It just has a very, you know, because I'm very sensitive to smells and my allergies and all that. Uh, It's not unscented, but the scent is extremely mild and has never bothered my allergies. But I do like this stuff. Um, Cluttercleaner.com is where you can get it. Uh, I will link in my show notes to that and to my post where I show my before and after pictures of things that I have cleaned in my own house um, using this product. And it is expensive. It's like $35 for... Uh, A year's supply though, which if you think about it, you know, I mean, I'm just not used to buying a year's supply at one time, but $35 for a year's supply, um, which includes both window cleaner and, um, the actual clutter cleaner, like the all-purpose spray cleaner. Um, and like I said, I've used it. I really like it. You can use the code Slob, S-L-O-B to get free shipping, which is about $8 off. If you're in Canada, you will get the, um, U.S. cost of shipping taken off of your Canadian shipping. Okay, so you'll you will still get some savings if you're in Canada. Okay, all right. Next, I was going to talk about sentimental clutter. Sentimental clutter is hard. And um, just to prove to you that I really do understand sentimental clutter, uh, the first summer that I worked at a camp, I was 16 and I had the time of my life. I was scared to death to go just because it was you know far away from home and I was going to be gone for six weeks and all that, but. I had the best time. I mean, I, I absolutely loved it. And, uh, I was a counselor. It was one of the first times I'd really, truly, I mean, I'd always loved working with kids, but it's one of the first times that I got to be the one in charge. And that just, that just is right up my alley. So, um, I loved being a camp counselor. And there was one time when, uh, my kids put a dead bug or maybe it was just like the bugs, um, shell or something like that, you know, like it had shed its skin put it on my pillow to scare me. And of course it scared me and ah, ha ha. That was so funny. And I kept the bug. Like I brought it home with me. The bug skin, that was how attached I was to sentimental stuff. Like, oh, this is a memory. It's a dead bug. And I brought it home with me. So I really do understand the struggle of sentimental clutter. I don't think I've ever had to declutter that since I'm pretty sure it probably got crushed or disintegrated at some point in my life, which is really gross. But, um, but I do understand sentimental clutter. Uh, I kept every card that anyone gave me with my first child, uh, any, you know, baby shower card, whatever I kept it. I had these great ideas of how I was going to, um, I think I even bought the box to do it with, but I was going to mod podge them onto this box. And that was going to be his baby keepsake box. Yeah. I never did it. I finally threw the cards away. Um, because I couldn't remember necessarily who they were from cause we had moved and it was people we didn't necessarily know that well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure knowing him now at almost 12, he seriously won't care about that. Now it's not that he doesn't want anything from his childhood but I don't think he's going to care that he doesn't have those cards. So, you know, I'm not worried that I've ruined his life by throwing those away, but I do. I mean, I would keep anything and everything from any sentimental moment that came from me, anything that I had of my grandmothers, you know, after they passed away, anything I um, had from just different experiences in my life, college or working at camp or living in Thailand. I wanted to keep all of that stuff, every last one of them because I I was scared of losing that memory because I just so appreciated those different periods of my life. Well, um, I've had to get over that in a lot of ways. Um, I used okay, I'm going to give you two reasons, two things that have helped me get through that. Um, first of all, if you're dealing with sentimental clutter, I'm not going to say, I mean, I I've heard people say, take a picture and I think that's great. And if you can do that and be okay with that, then that's wonderful. But I know personally that that was not really something that solved it for me. Uh, But I had to get to the point where I said, okay, can I still remember it if I only have one of this thing? Okay. So instead of keeping all of my grandmother's cookbooks, which I know we start talking cookbooks and some people are going to get upset just because of the word cookbooks, but I'm just using that as an example. Some people just don't think you could ever get rid of a cookbook, but let's say I had all of my grandmother's cookbooks. Okay. And really the only time I ever did anything with certain ones of them was just to look at them and go, Oh, that was my grandmother's. Okay. But what if I can keep one of those cookbooks? It's going to produce that same sentimental feeling in me, that same memory as if I had 20 of them. But if I just have one, I haven't lost any of the memory, but I've sure gained a lot of space in my home. So I personally have kept one cookbook of my grandmother's and it's the one that she hand wrote in a spiral notebook. I will never get rid of that. just not going to happen. But that's all I need. I don't need the other ones that I, you know, would have to really search through it to find recipes that I think she might've made. I'm not sure. You know, no, I'm sticking with that one. Um, so can you get away with just having one of the item instead of 50, because I used to be a person who was like, Hey, if one is great, then 50 is better. But 50 takes up a lot more space in my home and makes my life crazy and does not go along with that whole clutter threshold thing that I am big on making sure I can only, I only have in my home what I can handle and what I can keep under control. If it starts to get where it's out of control, then I can't, then I know I can't deal with it. Um, an example for that would be at baby clothes. Now, when I found out that I was having a girl, I had two boys and I found out I was having a girl and uh, I had kept my boy clothes and I just finally decided, you know what? I'm having a girl. I'm going to get rid of the boy clothes. That's what I'm going to do. And so, um, I thought I was being wonderful and, um, just so wise and I put every last boy outfit on eBay. I mean, every single one, including the ones that made me want to cry to put them on there. Like there was this one little boy outfit that just actually fit him. My first one, when he was itsy bitsy teeny weeny, like, you know, when he was first born, it was the one outfit that actually fit him. And it was a boutique, which some boutique boy stuff is just the cutest stuff you've ever seen in your whole life. Had a little hat that matched and everything. And it just hurt my heart to list that on eBay. But I did it because I thought, okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to get rid of everything. Well, my mother-in-law, this has actually been years ago. And so she had improved since then. I know she's in bad health again, but um, she was in the hospital at the time. And I went to visit her in the hospital and my mother came and she was also with her. And I was telling them, well, I, I, you know, I'm getting rid of all these boy clothes. And they said, it's okay to keep one, Dana. It's okay to keep one and it just hit me and i said okay that's what i can do i kept thinking it was this all or nothing you know i either had to get rid of everything or keep everything i didn't i didn't grasp that it was okay to just keep one and when they gave me that permission these two people who have homes that are under control pretty much all the time you know and i see them all the time i realized okay one well i remember i was so panicked That and I know I still could have removed it off of eBay, but I was so panicked that this one outfit that I desperately knew that I had to get off of eBay was going to have a bid on it by the time I got home. But so, I mean, I got home and I took that thing down, and I was so relieved to say, okay, I could keep one. So now I have one special baby outfit, one that really reminds me of a certain time in their life for each of my kids. I didn't keep all of their baby clothes. I kept one. All right. Um, and along with that, I want to make sure I mention decluttering momentum because every time I speak to a women's group, a women's group, um, and I talk about decluttering, if I don't bring this up, I will have people say, What do I do about baby clothes? Well, baby clothes are the hardest thing to get rid of. That's not my business, it's you and your husband's business. Um, I can't tell you what to do. But I do know that you need to go back to that visibility rule and getting rid of obvious things that you of course know that you don't need to have in your house. You know, get rid of the easy stuff first in your decluttering. And then later on, it's easier for you to work through these sentimental things. Okay. Cause you really do build decluttering momentum. Um, I used to be so sentimental that I would keep everything because I thought, well, what if I do need it someday? What if, uh, for example, my kids, Sunday school papers, you know, when my kids were little and they would get these cute little papers at Sunday school that you were supposed to read with them at home and everything. And, um, or that, you know, what they had done that day. And I would think, I would think of all these scenarios in my head. I was like, well, what if, what if he wants to come home and play Sunday school? Because I think I can remember doing that. I would have loved to do that as a kid. What if he wants to come home and play Sunday school? And then, you know, he would need these papers and he could use that and how fence we would keep them. And then they would just end up in the bottom of our car, or they just became that paper clutter that makes me want to pull my hair out. Well, now I am the mom who's like, oh, that's so neat, honey, go throw it in the trash. I mean, as soon as I see paper, I'm just like, oh, that's great. Get rid of it because I don't want it in my house. So I have come a long way, but that's only been through decluttering easy stuff first and building that momentum to where my view of clutter has changed. Okay. And don't forget that my Drowning in Clutter ebook will help talk you through that. If you just feel like I, I get stuck every time I try to declutter, that will help talk you through that and give you strategies that will help you move through large amounts of clutter in as short a time as possible. Um, okay. So first advice was, can you keep one and still have the memory? Okay. Not every single pair of shoes that your child wore, but your favorite pair of shoes. Okay. So that you will get that and you will get that same feeling and that same memory from that one pair of shoes instead of keeping an entire trash bag full of baby shoes. Uh, Not that I would know anything about having that many baby shoes. I did. Okay. The other big thing, and I know I've gone over 30 minutes here, but I'm just going to keep talking. The other uh, big thing to remember with sentimental clutter is um, asking yourself the question, is this my memory or is this someone else's memory? Because what happened was, because I loved stuff so much and I saw the value in it, I became a dumping ground for other people because they would declutter their homes and they would think, oh, this thing that I don't have room for. I don't have a use for it. I don't want it in my home, but I hate to just donate it or throw it away. I'll give it to Dana. She'll take anything and she'll go, oh, that is so neat. That is so cool. Well, um, I was cleaning out my garage a couple years ago and I came across this item and it was a, um, it was a, like a silverware, but like re- for real silver, it was like a silver box or something where you're supposed to put your silverware in it. And it was kind of velvet lined with all these different things, um, to put your forks and knives and all that kind of stuff in it. And I saw it and I went, Oh, my mom told me this neat story about how she was, um, on this special trip and in a, uh, in a antique store. And she came across this and it has a little, um, has a little tag on it, like an evidence tag as if it was stolen at some point. So it has this neat story to it. And she has a neat, my mom had this neat story about how she, um, you know, found this and the memories that she has from this trip. And then, you know, just imagining, Ooh, this is kind of, you know, some exciting thing because it was in some, you know, crime or whatever. Um, so she has a great story about it, but I realized it had been sitting in my garage because I didn't have any place to put it. I thought, Oh yeah, that's cool. I'll take it. Um, but it had been sitting in my garage cause I had no place for it in my home. So it was clutter to me. And those memories of that special trip, I knew that they were memories, but they were my mom's memories. They weren't my memories. So I had to let go of this feeling like I was letting someone down by decluttering something that they gave me when they decluttered their house. Because the truth is, if they don't love it enough to keep it in their own home, then I cannot feel guilty about getting rid of it because I don't have room for it in my house. It's not my problem. Okay. Um, oh, I had a really, really great example of this. And now I can't think of it. Anyway, I'm sure I'll share it at some other point. But oh, I know what it was. I bought, I think it was two years ago, I bought these uh, video game chairs for my boys. You know, those kind that kind of rock or whatever. And I thought, oh, these are going to be great. But they just didn't use them. They, And I guess it's because of how our room is set up or whatever. They didn't use them. They didn't work for them. And so they ended up, just being these these things in a pile and they were shoved to the side of the room and they were huge and so they were in the way all the time. Well, we had a garage sale. And I kind of looked at him and thought, "Oh, I bought those for them and, you know, I wish that they would use them more, but they really don't." So I asked my, I think he was probably 8 at the time. I said, "Honey, uh, do you want to get rid of this because they knew that they could sell their own stuff and get the money." And he said, oh, oh yeah, I'd love to sell that. He goes, I just felt bad because I thought you would be upset since you gave it to me. And I realized that I don't want to pass that on to my children. I don't want to make them feel like they have to keep stuff purely out of guilt. And so I just go ahead and um, put that on other people and say, I'm sure that they would not want me to have a cluttered home because I feel guilty about something that they gave me. And so I just had to let go of that. So, being sentimental, um, I'm all for it. I'm a sentimental person. I look at things. I, you know, I love memories. I love to go through things and remember it. But um, following those two rules of realizing, uh, first of all, can I keep one instead of fifty? You know, so that it takes up less space in my home. Is it going to produce that same memory to have one thing instead of everything? And Uh, is this really my memory or is this just guilt because it's somebody else's memory? And the thing you can do if you feel like you need to is call them and say, Hey, I don't have room for this. Do you want it back? And if they say no, then you say, okay, well, I'm going to donate it then. Oh, well, I want it back. Well then come get it before I donate it because you know, it's, it's your home. It's my home. I have to deal with my home. I have to keep my own home under control and I can't have it be a mess because of, um, that, you know, guilt over somebody else's clutter issues. That's their problem. They can give it to somebody else, not me. Um, Okay. So thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget, you can go to a slobcomesclean.com slash podcasts with an S and, uh, find the show notes for this podcast, which is number 11. Uh, you go to a com slash connect and, uh, find me on my social media channels there. Um, thank you so much for joining me and I will see you next week or talk to you next week. Okay. Bye-bye.